When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We're talking real money. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Maybe I found some little digital things I can make flash around the screen. Happy New Year, everybody. This is, at least for me, the beginning of the year when we get rid of summer and we get back to real work, even though this is a short week. Because, well, we usually, Tom and I usually do two podcasts together, one podcast, one video cast and podcast. This week, we're only doing the one combo cast, which is this that you're seeing right now, uh, because it was a day shortened week. I couldn't get my audio from the radio station in Seattle because of course, everybody takes Labor Day off. Ah, Well, not everybody, because I went to the store. Somebody was still laboring. <laughs> Good call. Ah, <sighs> Summer. I am not a fan of summer. Maybe you it's because I live curmudgeon. in Florida. Yeah, no, well, I, I mean, think it's because I live in Florida. It's like you hear people up north go, oh, I hate winter. I hate winter. You know, Minnesotans, I hate winter. I just don't like it. Um, I don't like summer, probably because where I live. Anyway, that said, <laughs> happy new year. <laughs> Moving right <laughs> along. Into fall, apparently, Welcome or the new talking. year. Yeah, it's okay. almost fall. Okay. Welcome to Talking Real Money, the podcast, the audio cast, the video cast, the all kinds of cast. I am in Florida. This is Florida. It doesn't look like Florida because it's a room. I am Don McDonald, just hanging out here, happy as can be, talking to my good friend, Thomas Charles Cock, who is in his little aircraft chamber in uh, Malt B, Washington State, where, of course, the weather is lovely for about a day. No, it's going to be not. I don't think there's even rain on the horizon for like two weeks. Ooh. Not going to make me check. Then, then nine months. <laughs> it's like. Well, yeah, oh, there's oh, that. Oh, no. Nope, still, uh, still no rain in the forecast at all. The groundhog saw his shadow, so it's nine more wet, nine more months of rain. We did have a very bad June, so we made up for it in July, August, and so far in September. So well, there, there you go. go. That's their that's their mm. happy season. Yeah, uh, we are here to talk about money. We're going to talk about something a little bit unique today. It's a trip back in time that has lessons for the future. There are several of you still alive, who listened to my show on Business Radio Network back in the 1980s and early 1990s. I'm one of them. I used to listen. You to actually show. programmed it. And I was on it once. You were on it once. I was. Yes. Didn't want to be, but he was on it. <laughs> well, that's true. He was grumbling about it. I'm <laughs> going to go on the Anyway, back then, you know, I'd, be, I'd been a stockbroker, so I was indoctrinated into this concept that, by the way, at the time was nearly universal. 
that great money managers could make you better money if you had just a brilliant mind. It was the Peter Lynch syndrome. Peter Lynch from Fidelity Magellan Fund, who back in the day was the best stock picker in the world until he wasn't anymore. Well, actually, he was really smart. He got out right as his prowess began to decline, and he knew why. He got lucky, and he as he got more and more money in the fund, he knew he was going to get less lucky in the future. So it's like, man, get out while you're And the asset class that he owned had a great run. It didn't have such a great run after he left either, by the way. Again, lucky. Yeah, right. So during that day, a lot of us, I, I include myself in this group, looked for the next hot money manager. I did this on my show. You listened in. And uh, I also, a lot of my advice, a lot of my research, not advice really, the research I got came from people like Morningstar, Standard & Poor's, uh, others. I I read Forbes. I read Fortune. I read Money. I was reading about all these hot funds. I was looking, doing all my research, making sure that they looked like what they said they were uh, and that they had great track records. Remember, it was all about the track record. Past performance is not indicative of future results. And there was a guy who started in 1988 with Morningstar named John Reckenthaler. John is a very respected uh, mutual fund analyst, and he published a lot of great information about what he calls boutique funds. What is a boutique fund, Tom? Well, boutique means small, means sophisticated, and generally fashionable. I mean, if you just the definition of the word. Boutique. Turn your volume up just a little. You're a little quiet. The definition of boutique is <laughs> small. Yeah. Quiet, apparently. Sophisticated and fashionable. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of kind of new and cool and mm-hmm. exciting. And yeah. in that group back in that period, late 80s, early 90s, were funds like uh Janus 20. Sure. 20th century growth and heritage. Uh, uh, now American Century, um, Kaufman Fund, um, PBHG, and many, many, many others. And we talked about them. I suggested them to you because they had been hot. Now, had I known what I know now about indexing and massive diversification, the research wasn't there then. But the research is here now. And had I known that, I would have been boring like we are today. We have no hot funds. We have no hot funds to give you. No big ideas. But everybody wanted big ideas. So we all provided them. And recently, John Reckenthaler, not recently, it was about a year ago. I was just doing some research on PBHG to see what happened to them. Oh, (laughs) hey, there's a good aside. Do you know what happened to them? No. It was Pilgrim, Baxter, somebody and somebody, a little tiny fund that became really big out of uh, middle of nowhere, Pennsylvania. Well, it turns out, and I apparently was out of the fund by this point, turns out that Pilgrim and Baxter were allowing people to use their funds to front run. Oh, goodness. To trade ahead of the crowd. Sure. Sure. And uh, the New York Attorney General 
found out about this and the SEC then found out about this and they pretty much shut them down. They got a big settlement against them for $160 million. And that was basically the end of that fund. Others just, you know, and it, and it was merged into another kind of fund with another company. Uh, there were several others for, for, for which that happened. But I wanted to do some more research on what happened to all these funds. And I came across this article written by John Reckenthaler at Morningstar. And I'm going to put my glasses on for this part because I can't see. His first line in this article, the article is called Reasons Not to Invest in Boutique Funds. Which I think anybody can go read, right, at Morningstar? It's at Morningstar, yeah. It's from 2021. I thought so. And the, the first paragraph is, or the subtitle is, Fool Me Once. Me too. Fool me once. He said, I was once a disciple of new ways, fresh ideas that could put your assets to work in a better way. He said, when I was asked by journalists to recommend funds, I typically selected boutique funds. Everybody knew about Fidelity and American funds, but he looked at American Heritage. He liked that. Kaufman, PBHG Growth, Bruce Fund, the Hennessy Focus. I remember all of these. Sure. Um, and he said that they all, after a period of great performance, collapsed as the markets changed. They continued to do what they were doing, but the markets no longer favored the things that they were doing, which is the, the heart of our argument for diversification, because you will never know what is going to be hot and what is not. And that brings us to today. Tom, there is a lesson for today's investors that is as powerful now as it was then. Well, and he correctly points out that boutiques frequently crash because of poor risk controls and because, as you say, things go in style and things go out of style. Not not unlike a boutique clothing place, right, where something was really great. You know, a particular clothing item that everybody had to have, and then uh, not so much, right? So it goes out of favor. And like, uh, like Forever 21. Forever My 21. My daughter used to go to Forever 21 for, forever, and then she stopped completely. Yeah. And my mother would go to Forever 21 because, or her mother would go to Forever 21 when they were having, because they were doing a bankruptcy sale. And so they like have everything for like $2. And her mother's buying all this stuff to give to our daughter. And our daughter goes, oh, I don't like that stuff anymore. That was 10 Even years $2, ago. $2. I don't yeah. like it. Not Ooh. interested. Ooh, Thor is, Thor is I heard things that our way. I was wondering what that was. Uh, bang, bang, I Thor's hope, silver hammer. I hope it's not Kathy Woods because we're getting ready to talk right. about her again. Kathy, we're sorry. <laughs> She's knocking on the door. You know, because the ARC funds seem to me to be the poster child of exactly this. They were small. They were mm-hmm. fashionable. They were sophisticated because this is something, you know, sort of innovation is so this is somebody who can see into the future and is going to show you how to do it. And they started out with big returns. Money rushed in, not unlike some of these other ones that uh, Mr. Reckenthaler talks about here, the Infinity Q Fund. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, among others, that, that were, this is exactly what has happened. This has been the traditional thing that does happen with mutual funds. They do get hot. A lot of money, not always, rushes in. And then guess what happens? It rushes out. And here's the thing about boutique funds, though, besides that problem, which I think is a huge one. 
generally, if you buy these, and people still do today for a variety of reasons, you end up with a series of ideas, not a portfolio. And this is something you you coined this phrase, Don, that people use all the time when they call us. They end up with a case of hodgepodge-itis where they have a little bit of this and I tried some of this and I got into energy then and healthcare looked good. I got to rush into that. They end up with a lot of these things, but it has no core. It has no dis- discipline. And it's just a series of things that look good at the moment. You end up chasing managers. You end up chasing trendy investments. And here's the other part that's painful that Reckenthaler does mention. You end up sometimes with money going up, but for the most part, big, huge swings going down because as things go out of favor, they go out of favor fast and your returns go down very quickly. So this is not a, this is not investing. This truly is speculative. I'm sorry that you got caught up in it when you were on the former business radio network. I was like everybody else. I was looking for the next hot thing. There's the punctuation wow, again. That's I don't know if that loud. frequency actually comes across the microphone. I can hear it in my headphones. Wow. I, and it is it is loud here in Florida right now. Let me just look at the radar and make sure I don't have to go to the you basement. You got me want to run for the hills and I'm 3,000 miles away. We don't actually have a basement because oh. we live in Florida. No such thing. But, oh, wow. That just popped up right over our house practically. Wasn't that yeah. interesting? Anyway, there was another, though, in this article, you mentioned that Infinity Q story. Yeah, right. Um, this is a great example of and why you need to avoid what seems to be hot. The argument we often get from from listeners is, well, I mean, th- th- they've got all these new things in there. They've got all these great new ideas. I want to participate in these. What could go wrong? They're doing it. What could go wrong? Infinity Q is a great example of what could go wrong because in their portfolio, they had various types of assets. From equities to alternative investments. You hear a lot of talk, a lot of excitement around alternative investments, don't you? Oh, big. Because stocks and bonds don't make money. I got to put my money in those. So what could possibly go wrong with those? You look at your mutual fund that has alternatives and they say, we're worth a lot of money. Well, here's what happened with Infinity Q. Infinity Q had what are called level three assets which are lightly traded, it's difficult to determine the price. They're illiquid, they're lightly traded, and they price them at a price that was dramatically higher than they were actually worth when they hit the market. And they immediately, immediately after selling these crappy assets, found that their total value their fund went from 1.73 billion dollars one day to 1.25 billion the next that's a decrease of somewhere around 30% or 28% yeah that's pretty big because of because of their overvaluing assets so it's which is hard. another i think actually you raise a very good point in today's environment because as i mentioned People are rushing into alt. I get invited to some alt conference, alternative investing conference, basically every day. Mm-hmm. There's one here. There's one in San Francisco. There's one in Los Angeles. Well, I haven't been having been to California recently. Don't need to go back. And I don't need to learn more about alternative investing because it, I'm worried that it's exactly this, whether it's 
loan programs, whether it, whatever it's investing in, right? And when we had come, had one come up last week on the show. So again, this is trendy and I, I hope it's a trend that goes away as quickly as the, uh, as the infinity Q fund did. This is why I've been so reticent to fall for the alternative. And we get pitched this a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, as a matter of fact, some of the firms that we admire out there that we used to admire more have gotten into these alternative investments because the sales pitch is so good. You know, these are proven to offset such and such and so and so. But I mean, some of these funds, for example, as Tom mentioned, lending funds, lending funds that lend to consumers. Your money. And they claim that their <laughs> high returns are safe mm. because of the diversification of their portfolios. But there was an article in the Wall Street Journal today, Wednesday, that said that uh, consumer loans are weakening and there could be some serious defaults on some of these funds. And suddenly your safe money is gone or a lot of it. This is why we try to keep you away from these things that Nobody really understands, and too many people lie about. They just lie. Or and either they're too stupid to know. And they're making big money on your money. That's the other part. The huge, the, the expenses on these things. So, yeah, this is th- this is fascinating that you get to look back 30 years and say, this is what I did then, but I'm smarter today. This is what I believe today. And that John Reckenthaler gets to say the same thing, who's a guy that's uh, very well known in the industry, very well respected. And he can basically say, I've, I've learned from my mistakes over time. Don't follow that example. That's the trick. Learn from what you did in the past and don't do it again. You can't go back and change it. My wife drives me crazy with this sometimes. Oh, I wish I hadn't done. And I go, but you did. It's over. It's done. You can't do anything about that. Don't do it again. There. Fixed. That's all you can I, do. I never tell my wife, don't do it again, but I'll leave that. That's in your house. So I'll let, let that one go there. Uh, are you ready? <laughs> nice, nice look. All right. So are you ready for a couple of questions? No, I don't want to oh. do it anymore. <laughs> That's it. Time's up. I'm done. He's out. I'm done with you. For that I'm reason, it's out. <laughs> uh, yeah, sure. What all do right. you got? All right. Here we go. Uh, Tom this, really likes being the question I, reader. So just that's every good. once in a while. Yeah. Uh, this one comes from uh, Karen. Who writes us is VOO and VOO is uh, I always forget that ticker. That's the S and P five hundred. That's ETF. right. And RPV. RPV. I think RPV. that's a value fund. Oh no 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 no! That is a uh, large cap. I think. Oh it, no! It's the S and P uh, five hundred value ETF. Yes. Okay. The question is: Are they different enough that a wash sale wouldn't apply? First of all, what is a wash sale? Wash sale is when you sell a security to take a tax loss. So you sell the S&P 500 ETF because yep. it's down in value. You get to realize a taxable loss that you can use against income and future capital gains, 3000 in income. But you can't buy a substantially equal security for 30. Can't just go buy the S&P again. You can't buy it even from yeah. somebody else. You Got couldn't it. go to like mm-hmm. to buy, you couldn't go buy the SPDR, the spider, which is almost it's almost identical it's practically identical it's gonna to be too close to identical you're gonna get in trouble with the irs they're going to disallow the loss however and so in this case it's okay is what you're saying i again i am not the irs i am not speaking on behalf of the irs i am not an accountant but i do know that this is quite different in that it excludes 
most of the growth portion yeah, of the S&P point. 500. So it is a different investment. And she also asked about VOO and AVUS. AVUS is a very different investment in that the AVUS is pretty much the entire U.S. market. Correct. And if I had to choose between the two, I would just sell my VOO and buy the AVUS and then never go back to VOO. Because you're going in a wider, yeah. more diversified portfolio anyway. I have 2,300 stocks in right. the AVUS. No. Is it really 2,300? Okay. Yeah. Wow. It's a little lower than I would have thought. Yeah, I would have thought it'd be, but they'd probably clip at both ends. Who knows? So, yeah, okay, that's a good, great question. We got one more from Sean, who writes us from Chesapeake. Chesapeake? Chesapeake? You mean Chesapeake? Chesapeake. Chesapeake. Okay, I thank you for that. I uh, short, short, short a, uh, a syllable, but that's Chesapeake. okay. Uh, he says hello. I finally switched hello. brokerage accounts. Ed Jones to Fidelity after good, a good, year. Good. Educated myself through listening to great people like you who just want to help other others make the right moves for their situation. Thank you for that compliment. We really appreciate it. Moved an IRA of $230,000 and a Roth of 211000 I was in multiple mutual funds with my advisor, Ned Jones, with front load funds and high expense ratios. Of course, I was never told the cost of purchasing these funds. I was so angry after finding out these unbelievable fees I knew I had to get educated on how to manage my future retirement myself. Good for you. That's that, that, that's saying something, actually, to say, hey, I'm going to stand up here for myself. But the question at hand is, um, searching now, what is the best way to move out of these funds, which include, you went through all the funds. And, 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 you know, it's what you just referred to. doesn't matter what you already did. It's matter what you're going to do. Mm-hmm. And if you're in an IRA and a Roth, you can do anything you like. You don't have to own any of the funds you used to own at, uh, at Ed Jones. You can sell them all. No tax consequence. So here's my answer, and you can give me yours, Don, too. So, um, oh, oh, you're asking and answering. Okay, yeah, I'm going to do both because <laughs> I think it's pretty simple, actually. I'll just take a nap. I'm a steal from you. This is this is the matter of how hard you want to work. Uh-huh. We at our website, talkingrealmoney.com, give you three mutual funds you could own at Fidelity, where you could build a pretty widely diversified, low cost portfolio of stocks and bonds. Pretty good, too, uh, that you could own in both the IRA and the Roth, for that matter. Or if you want to work harder, our friend Paul Merriman has a 10-fund Fidelity portfolio at his website, paulmerriman.com. That's how I think you should look at it. But, Don, go ahead. I'm sorry. I was napping. (laughs) Oh, excuse me. Remember, Um, you already did what you did, so it's time to move on. I did what I did, so That's I'm right. done. I've done what I've done, and I won't <laughs> do it no more. Uh, yeah, what you said. Okay, finally. That's this is the first time in I, thirty I don't years. Have much to add to that. that. That's pretty much what I, I mean. There, in fact, I'm right here on the page. Three funds at three groups. So I, go. I had it already pulled up. And you could take those three fidelity funds and find the exchange traded fund equivalent and do it that way if you'd prefer to use ETFs. Absolutely. It's the same thing. Absolutely. Although we do give you an ETF portfolio that looks a little better than Fidelity's ETF portfolio on that same page using iShares funds, which are less expensive. You could go on iShares at your Fidelity, Fidelity. which would still be you could still purchase at no cost and the expense ratios are very low. Basically, the article was originally three funds at three groups. Now it's three funds at three groups plus three ETFs. 
And you're adding that to you. Added something to the conversation. Didn't expect to. I thought you might be washed away in the latest there. Florida thunderstorm, but there you are. So well done, sir. Hey, we're up on the mountain here. We're we're uh, we're we're in the we're forty in the high, feet above sea level. We're on the high ground. No, we're a whopping hundred feet above sea level. Oh, pardon me. It yes. would take one heck of a rogue wave to take us out. But if you ever step back and look at the big picture and kind of what Florida is and then look at the two oceans and everything, it kind of looks no, like no, something no, covered no, that no, up quickly. I'm not worried me. a bit because I'll be dead by then. <laughs> That's a good point. <laughs> so global warming will not I'm take I'm more you worried about the being change, dead by me. then part than the climate yeah, change yeah, part. I know. I hear you, brother. So anyway. I, I, I have four children. I'm leaving it to them to deal with it. That's probably not the best thing you've ever said. I don't either, care but, anymore. Okay. All right. So I'm too at least old you're to honest. care. You're honest. I'm grumpy. You're grumpy. You're curmudgeon. I'm curmudgeonly. You're the only guy I know who hates summer. I so hate far. summer. <laughs> and the only guy I know who says September 6th is a new year. So those are. I think it should be the new year. It's a much more pleasant new year. It's not like, you know, blizzards. That's true. It's safer to celebrate it. But Do I get us, drunk? You're not going to die on ice? It's For us, it's the beginning of the rain and yeah, the dark. And hey, um, so anyway, there do you go. you have anything other no, than your class? I, don't do, do your class. Don't do your class. Uh, yes, I do. I, I've talked okay. to a lot of you this week. It's been fascinating because I think a lot of people like you look at kind of September as eh, if summer was there. It's Life over, gets back to around. normal. Yeah. And so mm-hmm. I've caught a lot of people called. I love it. I just talked to a guy. <laughs> He's 81 and he has about a hundred thousand and he wants to clean up his portfolio. And I said, sell this, buy this. I, I'll do that. I, you don't have to have $2 million to talk to me and it doesn't have to be at whatever, whatever situation. And, and, you, and we're not asking for you to become a client. No, I really enjoy it. We'd love you. it if you did, but we're not like the guy from Chesapeake. You didn't hear us go, oh, well, you should come to us. That's what 99.999% of the people who have financial talk shows would have said. That's oh, go point. to our firm. Give us a call. Give us a call at the office. And, give us a call yeah, yeah. on Monday. Yeah. Well, we tell you to give us a call, but you're going to just get advice. Yeah. So anyway, Free. give me a ring or set up an appointment at vestry.com. Love to uh, love to help. And yes, I'm still taking, I think right now I only have one Saturday appointment this Saturday. So I still have one opening. It'll be early too, by the way, because I'm going to take my brother, believe it or not, to the airport and be at the airport at 0530 hours on Saturday morning. Who else you would are- be happy about that? You, me, you're, yeah, you, I'm, that yeah, doesn't bother me mind. in the least. Um, <laughs> so it's good. You kind, anyway. you kind of live on East Coast time. Indeed, I do. So anyway, there uh, you go. Is there something else I wanted to add? No, no. I, I don't think so. Okay, I'll, I'll, I'll yeah, I'll, uh, I'll put this little thing together. I'll have a Q and A session for you on Friday again. Uh, Tom and I will be back uh, together on Saturday doing our live show on Northwest News Radio in Seattle, which you are certainly. Uh, are invited to listen to. You can also call us with questions at 855-935-TALK 24-7, or you can send them in at talkingrealmoney.com, your one-stop source for everything you need to know about money. Pretty literally. Thank you for being there. That guy, wherever he is, I don't know what side of the screen he's going to be It's on. hard to tell. I'm that jumping around. Is Tom. I am Don. And uh, we're going to continue for as long as we're able, which probably isn't much longer, (laughs) talking real money. 
you realize that the information provided on Talking Real Money is for informational, educational, and hopefully enjoyable purposes only. Providing personalized financial planning or investing advice takes time, so please consult with a really good fee-only fiduciary investment tax or legal advisor. We know a good one. Investing must always involve risk. In other words, you can and probably will lose money at times. Also, as much as you want it, no one can accurately and consistently predict the future, so past performance doesn't tell you a darn thing about what the future will bring. Unlike many other programs that say something similar, Talking Real Money is not trying to get you to buy or sell any financial products or securities. Instead, the program is provided as a public service by Appella Capital, a fee-only registered investment advisor. Thanks for listening, and please visit TalkingRealMoney.com for more information and disclosures. Are we done now?